Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. All Hit Radio To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the X One, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, Xone at XoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, Xone Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Xone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the programming on the Xone TV channel, visit www.simultv.com and when you get to their main page there's a search engine just type in x zone my guest this hour x nation is ronald actus he is a native of uh, depew illinois he's been involved in organizational and community development in indiana and michigan for more than 40 years currently president of actus consulting a management organizational communications and race relations consultant he received a B.S. degree in management from the University of Illinois in 1962. The company's slogan, Focused, Measured, Sustained Human Achievement. Joining me now is Ron Actis. And Ron, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you. 
Nice to be with you. Uh, Ron, um, you've, you've authored a book called Spiritual DNA, What Jesus Said About God, Peace of Mind, Happiness, and Mankind. And you also wrote, I believe, Spiritual DNA Guidebook, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life Management Slash Frontier, a communication system to focus and sustain a culture of achievement. Um, I can understand where the latter book comes, comes from since you're in the management business, but where did the Spiritual DNA and Spiritual DNA Guidebook come from? My sister gave me a copy of a book titled A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. And after I read the introduction, I could not put it down. uh, It's a 1,200-page book. And, uh, well, here's some of what was in the introduction. It's a fascinating story, Mm -hmm. background. Um, In in 1965, Helen Shookman who's a psychologist or was a psychologist at Columbia University, began to have dreams and images that came out of her uh, just from nowhere, just came out and uh, started entering her mind. She told her boss, a man by the name of William Tetford, about the experience. And after three months of hearing about them, he suggested that she write a journal to record all of that that she was hearing. Soon after, an inner voice began giving her instructions, and the voice said, this is a course in miracles. It's a required course. Only the time you take is voluntary. Free will does not mean you can establish the curriculum. It only means that you can elect when you want to take it at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, but it does aim at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. Now, she was quoted as saying, I was very surprised when I wrote this. You know, this is A Course in Miracles, Shookman said. Um, That was my introduction to the voice. She said it made no sound. It seemed to be giving me a kind of a rapid inner dictation, which I took down on a shorthand notebook. The writing was never automatic. It could be interrupted at any time and later picked up again. Uh, She said it made her very uncomfortable, Mm. but it never seriously occurred for me to stop. So it seemed to be a special assignment I somehow, somewhere agreed to complete. So each day after documenting her experience, Shookman would read her notes to Tetford, uh, her boss, who would have them typed up from her dictation. According to an article that I came across in New Reality magazine at this time uh, about another book, Journey Without Distance, which is the story behind A Course of Miracles, uh, and a lot of what I'm going to share with you here, quoted her as saying, the voice does not come from the outside. It's all internal. It's not an actual sound. The words come mentally, but very clearly. It's kind of an inner dictation. It's not automatic at all. I'm perfectly aware of what I'm doing. And and Shookman went on to say, she's an atheist. And uh, that kind of surprised me when I heard that. Here she's getting words that uh, are, she later decided are coming from Jesus. But she says, having no belief in God, I resented the material and was strongly impelled to attack it and prove it wrong. 
I remained unconvinced about its authenticity, and I was very jittery about it. It was impossible. Uh, it put me in an impossible position of not believing my own life's, life's work. And the situation was clearly ridiculous, she says, as well as painful, she claims. Hmm. It was because of the strangely compelling nature of the authority that she referred to as the voice. She said, I don't really understand the the, the authorship of the writing, but uh, it had a certain uh, sound of certainty and wisdom and gentleness and clarity and patience that characterized the voice that she says at this point, she realized that it was Jesus talking to her. And uh, despite her reluctance to writing, she did not have the ability to eliminate the voice. And so this began her documentation over seven years, she filled 30 shorthand notebooks of what she was hearing that her boss had typed up. And uh, on one hand, she said she resented the voice because uh, she was extremely fearful of the content and had to overcome great personal resistance in the beginning in order to continue because of her belief or non-belief in, in God. Uh, this started to conflict with her. And on the other hand, she said uh, it never occurred not to do it, even though she was resentful of the, the interference. So the voice would dictate to her almost daily, sometimes several times a day. And usually it would start at a time she was free uh, from her work or at home or wasn't doing anything special. After two months of her listening and writing, she asked how long this text would be, and the answer she got was, when it was completed, she would hear the final amen. Well, one night, Shuckman was taking down the dictation, and uh, she felt agitated, said to the voice that what it was saying was senseless. And the voice told her to write what she had heard and assured her that in the morning she'd understand the words. Uh, the passage in particular, she said, didn't make sense, began with, forgive us our illusions, Father, and help us to accept our true relationship with you. It ended with, let us receive only what you have given and accept but this into the minds which you created and which you love. After sharing this with their boss at Tetford, the next morning he read it out loud and uh, he was barely able to speak at the end. And when he looked across at Shookman, she burst into tears. Uh, they they each recognized that this uh, was recorded, uh, was a version of the Course's Lord, uh, Lord's Prayer. And though none of them said a word, they each felt a new unity with one another that they've never felt before. And so throughout this writing, the terror Shookman felt at the beginning did gradually recede, but uh, part of her mind never allowed her to get completely used to the idea of being a channel for the voice of Jesus. And for the most part, she was unbelieving and, and still suspicious mm -hmm. and afraid. And then in 1975, uh, Shookman and Tetford met with uh, founders of the Foundation for, for Paracentury Investigation. It became the Foundation for Inner Peace. And they showed it to the, uh, the director. Uh, and they asked, do you want me to show the course to any of my friends? And they told her, no, we're sure the course is not meant to be kept hidden. 
It's just that we don't want our names connected with it in any way. And Schuckman agreed with him. And Tefter added, it doesn't need any personalities connected with it. He said, Helen and I do not feel we can represent this material since we don't adequately demonstrate it. I guess he was an atheist also. So I read through the book the first time, and uh, it took me a year part-time to read through this book, 1,200 pages, and uh, uh, every sentence had a meaning to it. And every time I, I read it, the impression was reinforced. There was no doubt in my mind that the voice was that of Jesus. No person on earth could make up such concepts. And, and the authenticity of this was never disputed or questioned. All right, stand by. We have to take our break at the bottom uh, at the bottom of this uh, set. Ron Actis is our guest to this hour, Exonation. And Ron and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back, everyone. Ron Actis is our guest this hour. His website is, are you ready for this exonation? Outskirtspress.com forward slash spiritual DNA. Uh, Ron, I have to ask you, how can everybody be so sure that this lady who was channeling this voice was actually channeling the voice of Jesus? Because of, I'd like to read you some of the, uh, the, the text in it uh, and... Uh, give you a sense of how he spoke at that time. It's so unusual. 
Okay. And, and nobody's ever disputed this. They've, they've, uh, people have not questioned that this book is, that The Course of Miracles is being used in, in seminaries, mm-hmm. uh, in different religious uh, teachers, uh, institutions all around the world. And the, the question never came up. I just asked. That it was Jesus. Okay. I'm asking. How do you know it was Jesus? How do I know it was Jesus? Yeah. How does anybody know that the voice that was being channeled was that of Jesus? Did the voice identify itself as Jesus? It's, he never, well, he, uh, because of what he says in the book, mm-hmm. no, nobody could have made this up. Nobody no, no, you're not, you're, not, you're not answering my question. Did that uh-huh. voice at any time identify itself as Jesus? Yes, he speaks in the first person several times throughout. And he said, uh, okay, and and the voice says that I am Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Not in those words. Okay, so let me ask you again. How do we know that the voice was that of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? If the he voice did not identify itself. Well, he did identify himself because he talks about himself in the first person and God as his father and uh, mentions uh, uh, several stories that are extensions of parables in the Bible. Okay, so once again, I, I, I want to be clear on this. For my listening audience and myself, this voice talking in the first person said that I am Jesus Christ. I am the Son of God. He does say that in so many words. No, no, no. You're skipping. You're, you're doing. You'd make a great hockey player because you're doing some fancy <laughs> skating here. The question again is: Did the voice in the first person identify himself as Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Yes or no? Hello. I would say someplace in the, in the book, those words have come out. Yes. No, no, no. You've read the book. Yes, I've read it seven times. Okay, and in those readings, the seven times that you have read it, did the voice identify itself unequivocally as, the, as coming from Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Or is it believed based on the way the, the voice articulates itself and the knowledge that it has surpassing the biblical parables that only Jesus could know this. It is spelled out in the book that he says that uh, he is the son of God. In fact, he goes a step further. He says, we are all sons of God. Yeah, well, well, that's what it says in the very first the very first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And it says, And God said, Let us create man in our image, in our likeness. Therefore, if God did create us, and he is our Father who art in heaven, then God is our Father. But I've never heard anybody identify themselves as Jesus Christ. And this is why I was kind of wondering if, in fact, in this book, that was channeled by this lady if the voice identified itself as Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Now you've identified itself as Jesus. 
Okay, so let me ask you this. Why did it take about six minutes to get that answer? I don't know. I thought I was being as clear as I could. Well, I asked. Uh, I basically it, it, asked you a yes or no answer. You know, yes, I he see. did say it, or no, he didn't say it. So you're yes, saying... Well, then I, I apologize. I don't, you don't yes. need to apologize to me, my friend. I, I just needed clarity on it. I see. Yeah. Okay, so the book is written by somebody who channels Jesus. Right or wrong? The book was written or spoken. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes, yes. Um, you're hesitating with my answer, with my questions, and I don't know why. They're, they're very simple questions. What, what was the question again? The, que the, the, the question, which was also a statement, was that the book on miracles, A Course in Miracles, that um, that you were given was channeled to this person. I believe it was uh, Helen Shuckman. Am I correct there? Helen Shuckman. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. By a voice that she channeled, who identified themselves as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yes. Okay. That's great. Why did you give your book a new title? I didn't think A Course in Miracles satisfactorily explained what was in, in the book because it, it talks about... Uh, it, it, I, I've got a section here that mm -hmm. talks about, in his voice again, what was written down, what a miracle is. And I didn't think that... I found more to be in the book about relationships with God and Jesus and other people and ourselves, It's about brotherly love. Uh, there are acts of love and kindness are described as miracles. And uh, I didn't think just a course in miracles. When I first heard about it, mm -hmm. when my sister gave it to me, I, I didn't hear about it and I couldn't imagine what was in it. Right. I read it and I went through this seven times and what I've done is I, I felt compelled to understand and break it down into basic elements, key sentences, uh, to make it more... People who get the book uh, have a hard time reading through it in the first place. It's very heavy reading. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time understanding what's in it. And I, what I've done is to boil it down into core beliefs. Uh, I've I identified 10 spiritual DNAs, uh, dimensions that Jesus mentions, in here about how you can uh, increase your relationship with people by avoiding conflict. Life, he says, uh, is a choice between God and your ego. The ego plays a big part in this. And so when that happens, your choice every day, if you choose your ego, you have a conflict in your mind. You feel guilty and anxiety, and you worry. If you choose God, 
uh, it creates a sense of peace. So that's why I've retitled the book, to give it a little bit more depth than just A Course in Miracles. All right, so am I I correct in understanding that you basically took the book A Course in in Miracles and used the content of that book and rewrote the book based on the content of that book and renamed it because you thought that this would be much easier for people to understand and the way that you broke it down. Yes, okay. I did. I, and I kept, but I kept Jesus's the words that I mm-hmm. I selected in condensing. I didn't edit it and put my words in it. I extracted from each chapter key paragraphs and sentences, and I, I boiled it down so that uh, we ended up with a book that's about uh, 350 pages. And it makes it easier for people to to come to grips with this. Plus, by my breaking it down. I uh, I came up with uh, key steps to happiness, peace of mind and happiness. I've identified the core beliefs in the book, 10 core beliefs. And, uh, and this is what I put into the author's uh, epilogue at the end. So people can take this and then a capsule summary, not have to go through the whole book again. The book is also made up of uh, about uh, 600 pages of text, about 400 pages of um, workbook for students, lessons are in it, and then about another 100 pages that uh, deal with what he called the, the manual for teachers. All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, our guest this hour is Ron Actus. His website is Outskirts Press. Dot com forward, spla- forward slash spiritual DNA. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Donation Ron Actus is my guest this hour. His website is Outskirt Presses. I'm sorry, OutskirtPress.com forward slash spiritual DNA. What was your inspiration for rewriting the book uh, from A Course in Miracles to the book that you retitled? I felt that it was so important mm-hmm. uh, to help people understand it and to be able to 
actually use this in their daily lives. That was one of the motivations. I didn't start out. I read it seven times. It took me a year each time. So from the time I got the book uh, and the time that I developed uh, more of an understanding after the seventh year, mm -hmm. it was about that time that I thought maybe I should uh, actually write something and, and do it uh, in a condensed version maintaining his exact words, but picking out what I thought were the most profound to me. And, and something, an interesting thing, when I decided that uh, I was going to go ahead and try to get this written up and published, uh, it occurred to me that the Foundation for A Course of Miracles had the copyright for it. Yeah. And uh, even though I would attribute any rewrite to that book, I decided to request their permission to use these select passages I received a response from them that same month informing me that the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York had ruled the copyright void. This was in 2004, and they released it to the public domain. To me, that was a sign I I should move ahead. <laughs> I, got a, I got a clearance. Evidently, somebody was using this book Besides the foundation, they were having it printed and mm -hmm. selling it. The foundation took those people to court, and they ended up losing because when the manuscripts that Tetford typed up had been put together and the manuscripts were turned over to the foundation for inner peace, or of course of miracles, they gave away copies free. Mm. By them doing that, that the judge said in this district court that voids any copyright. And uh, so I, I figured this is a good time to move ahead. And, and that's what gave me the motivation to go ahead and publish my book. Tell us some of the passages that you found so riveting that, that you just had to rewrite this book. Okay, well, let me do this. Uh, let me just give you a reading of sure. the first chapter, The Meaning of Miracles, to give you how how the uh, the voice of Jesus talked mm -hmm. to Helen Shookman. And then I, I've got uh, another listing of what I pulled out of there. Uh, I have 99 of them that I went through again and picked out what I thought were the, the, the basic heart of the book. And I ended up with 99, just somehow. But let me give you just an, an idea of the meaning of the, mir the miracles. <laughs> he starts out by saying, There is no order of difficulty in miracles. They're all the same. Expressions of love are maximal. The only thing that matters is their source. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The miracle is the love that inspires them. Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They are healing because they supply a lack. They bring more love both to the giver and the receiver. Prayer is the medium of miracles. It's a means of communication of the created with the creator. Miracles are thoughts. They undo the past and the present and release the future. They are convincing because they arise from correction. They demonstrate it is as blessed to give as to receive. It's a way of loving a neighbor as yourself. These are key words of Jesus we hear a lot. Yes. They demonstrate it as 
blessed to give as to receive. It's a way of recognizing your own and your neighbor's worth simultaneously. Miracles make minds one in God. Miracles are natural signs of forgiveness, another key word that he uses throughout. Through miracles, you accept God's forgiveness by extending it to others. Now, the Holy Spirit is the mechanism of miracles. He recognizes both God's creatures and your illusions. He separates the truth from the false. The miracle acknowledges everyone as your brother and mine. The miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and acceptance of his atonement. A miracle is never lost. It may touch people you have never met and produce undreamed of changes in situations of which you are not aware. The Holy Spirit is the highest type of communications medium. When you return to your original form of communication with God by direct revelation, the need for miracles is over. You are a perfect creation and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. All right, let me stop you there for a second. Let me stop you there for a second. Because if he's talking in the first person, why doesn't he say through me, Jesus Christ? And why, does he, why doesn't he say my father instead of reference, referencing him as God? Oh, he does throughout the book. But you, yes. di- but you didn't in that passage you just read. No, no, no. It's not. This is the meaning of merit. This is chapter one. There's 31 chapters in there that uh, he, he says that uh, throughout. I wish I could uh, pull one out. Uh, let's see here. Let me just look ahead at. All right. We, I, 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 I am the only one who can perform miracles indiscriminately. You have a role in atonement, which I'll dictate to you. Ask me which miracle you should perform. Under my guidance, miracles lead to highly personal experience of revelation. He says, lead us not into temptation means to recognize your errors and to choose to abandon them by following my guidance. You are free to establish your kingdom. Um, Let's see. He goes on to say, The golden rule asked you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. This is the rule for appropriate behavior. So there there are words throughout. He uh, references that. I was looking here for something uh, that's very specific that you're looking for. But, but, but what, what I'm seeing chapters. here, what I'm seeing here, and and please don't take me wrong, is you're. Uh, I'm hearing it one way, as somebody who's not claiming to be Christ, based on the 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 mannerism of which the conversation is taking place. Now, if he would have said, you know, to my father, if he would have said. Through me, Jesus. That he does say that in there. Yes, but, not in this particular chapter, but it's it's. Uh, it, uh, all right, but what I'm seeing, but what I'm seeing here, is it's all a matter of belief. You believe, and you have every right in the world to believe, that what you're reading comes from Jesus. You have that right. Yes. However, to me, someone who is by 
by every stretch of the imagination, very inquisitive, and someone who likes empirical proof. What you've read me so far, it, it's, it's nice. It really is nice. It, you know, it, it's filled with goodness. Can't take that away from that. But to me, doesn't sound like whoever is saying this is really Jesus because, number one, there was no proof for six minutes that this was written by Jesus. Now, if you would have thought at the beginning of the six-minute questions that this was written by Jesus, you would have said at the first time I asked you the question, yes, it, Jesus wrote it. But you kind of did the NHL shuffle on that. You were giving me specific words that yes. I didn't see, uh, that didn't come to mind. The whether you you asked me about yeah. those specific words. Well, I asked you. I asked. I, I, I asked you specific words that somebody like myself, who was a very devout Christian, would expect Jesus to say. And from what I heard, it didn't sound like Jesus to me. Well, here's something else I found here. I'm only. I have nothing that does not come from God. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Mm -hmm. okay. He goes on to say, in the process of rising up, I am higher because without me the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to you on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. There's words that I think answer your question. I think not I really, know. not really. But you but and I have to. to you, you and I. You and, you and I have to take a break. We'll be back on the other side of this. Uh, fine words right. from our sponsors, and uh, when we come back, we'll be wrapping up this hour here in the X Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, and our guest this hour, Ron Actus. Don't go away. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm all. Needing a friend And the way I feel now I guess I'll be with you till the end Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stay Welcome back, everyone. Ron Actus is our guest of this uh, final segment of the X-Zone for, for our episode number two tonight. If you'd like to uh, find out what's available to you 24-7, 365 on the XZBN, visit www.xzbn.net. 
And as I've been saying all night, the new edition, the February-March edition of the X Chronicles newspaper, is now available with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. That's X-C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E-S-N-E-W-S-P-A-P-E-R.com. Ron Actis is our guest, and if you'd like to find out more information about Ron, here's his website, www.outskirtspress.com forward slash spiritual DNA. Um, you, you talk about spiritual DNA. What is the spiritual DNA that, that you reference? In the book, The Manual for Teachers, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about certain characteristics that teachers of God, he calls them, not formally teachers in the form of an educational educator, Mm -hmm. but he mentions 10 dimensions of characteristics of people who are in tune with God. Uh, The first one is trust. And what I've done is I've turned that over. I call the characteristics spiritual DNA. If, if everybody would have trust, honesty, joy, tolerance, gentleness, defenselessness, generous, patience, faith, and open-minded instead of ego, thought, ego thoughts, uh, a person would eliminate conflict from his mind because it would not... Uh, because they would be uh, in, in tune with, with other human beings. And I've developed a self-assessment based on those 10 dimensions where somebody can uh, go through and, and self, uh, uh, self-appraisal, answer certain questions, and I've been able to quantify those and plot them on a chart to show a profile of what a person's spiritual DNA, how strong they are in each of these ten dimensions. Let me ask you something here before we go on any further. Do you believe that God created each one, each and every one of us and that he is our father? Yes, okay. I do. Um, but if we are flawed, doesn't that mean that God did not do a very good job of parenting or that his uh, creation says, or that his creation was flawed Jesus said in the book that uh, we are we are born perfect however the way that we are raised where we were raised uh, all the emphasis of the media everyday environment has caused us to forget that we're perfect. Now, if we were perfect, everybody in the ten dimensions I mentioned Mm -hmm. would score themselves high. But we don't... uh, That doesn't happen because our environments change that because we act out of what people think, how people think we should behave rather than we think is right. But once once again, if God is perfect... And if God created us in his image, that means we would be perfect as well. The fact that we're not perfect and that we're um, 
you know, we're influenced by free will, we're influenced by the media, this, that, and the other thing. The media is controlled by humans that, if we take this hypothesis to the greatest degree, were also created by God. So in an imperfect world, that, that relates to an imperfect creator. We don't, uh, we're born, uh, Jesus in this book mm -hmm. talks about that in the way that uh, a family, a father does in, here on earth. Mm -hmm. We bore, we uh, create children. Mm -hmm. As they grow up, we try to teach them all the things that they need to know. Right. In the process of doing that, we're, they are taught uh, directly or indirectly through these other mediums, through other people, and so on. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said it's kind of the same way. But then as they grow up, they go out on their own. Mm -hmm. And we we tried to raise them perfectly. However, nobody's perfect. They haven't gotten to that point. But isn't God perfect? God is perfect, Yes. So Which if, me, if, let, let if, me mention the, the ten core beliefs here, because mm -hmm. uh, the first one is these are the ten core beliefs that I pulled out of the book. Okay, they're, God, they're okay. God who created me in His likeness mm -hmm. is perfect and without desire to attack. Well, wait. Okay, let, let's let's just hold that one for a second there, because in the Bible, there are many examples where God killed His own children. You've got Sodom, you've got Gomorrah, you've got the Egyptians who were chasing Moses through the sea. God closed the, the waters on the Egyptians, and if God is the Father, he killed his own children. There is another example of a flaw of what is supposed to be a perfect deity. How can you tell me, thou shalt not kill, and then you yourself go out and kill? Does that make sense? I don't agree with you, though. You mean God? Is yeah. God has killed? Oh, sure he has. Well, like I was saying, he destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He killed the Egyptians who were following Moses through the sea when he separated the waters. The Israelites following Moses got right through, but all the Egyptians were drowned. Now, if God is the ultimate creator, he would be the creator of the Egyptians as well. And yet, he killed those Egyptians who were following Moses. So, to me, that shows another flaw in the idea that God is perfect. The God of the Old Testament is totally different than the God of the New Testament. And if there is only one God, you know, there should be some consistency with the way he acts, I think. Well, you can believe that, certainly. But my, uh, my, I'm sorry, sir, go with, ahead. With this, in a way, that's why I wrote the, the, the book is concentrated on helping people to achieve peace of mind by living better with one another, 
uh, loving one another in a brotherly fashion. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the basis for this is a mind training course where Jesus, in this in the workbook section for students, mm -hmm. takes you through a thought process that has you seeing the world the way you see it now, and in the in the sequence, by the end of it, you're seeing the world in a in a different way. You're seeing it more as one that we're all one mm -hmm. with God and uh, our behaviors, and, but we have egos. That's a driving force throughout this book, is that we have choices to make every day. We can make a choice according to our ego with pride and whatever else goes there, right. or, we can, or we can act more along the lines of love and in harmony in, a, uh, in brotherly fashion. But isn't it, isn't it a fact that the churches are failing Miserably, because the church has not kept up with the modern times and that people are seeking alternative philosophies in order to, to find some semblance of peace, harmony, and, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya around a campfire. I would say that I agree with you. The churches are struggling yeah. right now. And, but the, then, I go, then I go back to my, my question. If God is perfect, how could his churches fail? Because people are acting out of their ego. But we were created by God in his own image, in his own likeness. Therefore, if That's we right. fail, that means the creator failed in his creation. You and I have to no, say so long for tonight because we've run out of time and exonation. Uh, here, here's another example, you know. How do you know this guy who this person was channeling, who basically had voices in her head, was Jesus? We don't know. He was so indecisive giving his answers. I don't believe it. I really don't. And for those of you who were listening who may have been offended by what I was saying, I certainly didn't want to offend any of my listeners. But in today's society, and I nearly said this, but I want to be polite, the Bible also tells us to be very weary of false prophets. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. 